The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. This episode is brought to you by TweakedAudio.com. Get headphones, earbuds, and accessories from TweakedAudio.com. Just enter the discount code CAFCOMICS. That's all one word at the checkout. You'll get 33% off your entire order, free worldwide shipping, and a limited lifetime warranty on everything you buy. That's TweakedAudio.com. And now... It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts, John and Steven. Thank you, it's Caffeinated Comics. I'm your host, John Park. With me, as mostly always, is my co-host, Steven Brown. And Marco Garcia is back with us. Hey. And... <laughs> Uh, there was a few things going on. We were going to talk about one thing, and then uh, it was one of those weeks where like three things happened. Uh, I like those weeks. Yeah. Um, I'm a little frustrated they don't spread out the news, so when we have no topic and we just have to BS for an hour. Yeah, now. you know it's not all coming from one source. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the first thing is that George Perez has announced that he is retiring from comics. Yeah. Um, he, I don't think he consulted with the major studios or Disney to go like, what's the best week for yeah. me to retire from <laughs> To comics? release this news. But he said it's mostly health-related issues. He's he's getting up there. He's had uh, issues with his eyes and with his hands for a while. But um, he said people have been asking where he's been and what he's been doing. And he said, well, now is a good time to, to say I'm not doing any comic work. I'm going to do very few commissions yeah. because, because of the way my eyes are. I'm sure Marvel or DC could probably get him to do a cover now and then. But we're not going to see any more books. Yeah. From George I, Perez. I don't really know. I know he's doing a lot of like creator owned stuff. He had launched some like team book for some indie company like a couple years ago. It's been a while since I've like seen the guy's work, but it's like, uh, guy's awesome, had a great career. You know, he's a guy whose work you hope uh, people learn about because it's so iconic in terms of what we're seeing on the screen. Yeah. Gone Infinity Gauntlet and. Yeah, that's a good point, Marco. You were mentioning right before we started recording, do you think uh, George Perez will still have steady income coming in? But I think there's so many of his works are so iconic that they're constantly being reprinted. Uh, we have new omnibuses of his Teen Titans run, again, because Teen Titans is huge on multiple formats between Teen Titans Go to the Movies and the streaming show on DC Universe, which I watched uh, 90 seconds of. The live action type? Yes. And I, was, I put it on a, one shot. I don't even think it cut to another shot. And I was like, no. Wow. <laughs> um, but but do you think the business screwed him less so than their than creators are, are maybe not as affected nowadays? I think he's making royalties. I don't think he gets all the money he deserves for like Star for, Starfire and Cyborg and Raven. But... The fact that his work is still in print, Crisis is still in print, yeah. um, his Avengers work is out there, uh, he did all of JLA Avengers, the, he's made so many books that will never go out of print. Well, ironically, JLA Avengers is 100% out of print. You oh, is it? it? Because <laughs> neither one of I got the- all excited when you said that, because I was like, I have the absolute. <laughs> yeah, and as do I, and I'll never part with it. The uh, It went out of print, and neither, like the- there was an agreement that like Marvel would do the trade, or right. I can't remember who had what. DC did the absolute, and, and Marvel, Marvel did, did the, the trade. trade. So Marvel Marvel made more numbers, but DC had a higher price point, right? And they both that contract expired, so neither company is reprinting either one of the books, right? 
You know what I mean? It's like Marvel's not redoing the trade and DC's not doing the absolute. So you can't get that. I wonder if... Um... Sorry, uh, the Sphero Interactive Spider-Man, which I got for the boys over Christmas, which is really fun because he tells stories and does trivia and stuff, uh, was in the studio and just started talking to us. Yeah. <laughs> about Not Spider-Man always things. awesome. Yeah. No, and, we're, and, you know, George Perez hasn't done a lot of Spider-Man. No. He did the Hobgoblin Lives miniseries, so now we're back on track. The, I um, wonder if JLA Avengers is available on Comixology. It might not even be available oh, yeah. digitally if know. that's the issue. That was my understanding of the issue. Maybe something got changed in the meantime, but as far as I'm aware, those books are out of print. I do think you can find like the single issues at like half price books and back issue bins. And well, stuff. yeah, it's the, not impossible to find. No, the, the they, collections you can't find though. They they're just uh, they're just not new prints of it. You can Correct. go back and yeah. find because at the time when that came out, the comics industry was in a major slump. Um, it was like the early two thousands before. Yeah, it's really the Spider Man movie that broke it back open. It was like, because the X-Men movie was kind of a mid-level hit, and it was kind of a Hail Mary pass for both Marvel and DC. They were like, they yeah. were like we're both losing money, we don't know what to do, look, everybody wants to us to put all the characters together. They tried it in the early 80s, George Perez drew like 30 pages yeah. in the early 80s, back when Jim Shooter and I think Carmen Infantino were running things, or Dick Giordano, and yeah, negotiations broke down then. While he was drawing it, and he had to stop. Yeah, and that's one of the things I love about the absolute is they include all of those. Yeah, pages. Yeah, you can actually kind of see what the story was going to be. They had all this original artwork. It, you know, Rob Liefeld on those. Rob those pages. Liefeld had bought it. He it had bought like them really all at crazy. a convention, and he donated them for the book. Yeah, which you know, it's like it's actually kind of crazy. The this idea he that donated like, they, the books. Oh no! Like, I mean, he, gave he, the books he borrowed. No, he oh. he let them borrow the pages to, to scam them to scan for I think inclusion he still in the books. Them. They gave them back. It's like they do with the IDW artist edition books. They try to find as many people that are willing to like send in high res right. scans. Oh, all this that stuff. was an interesting thing. This is almost off topic, but uh, Jerry Ordway was posting original pages from the 1989 Batman. Uh, adaptation that he did the tim burton movie oh the movie i yeah. remember that it's a beautiful graphic yeah. novel he nailed everybody's awesome. likeness too and it, yeah so he just started posting all these pages and he was like uh and he was like hey uh if IDW wants to do a book of these i have the whole book oh nice. and I, wow and i tweeted back to him and i'm like i tweeted to him like do you have the whole book he's because he said if idw wants to do these i have these pages i was like do you have the whole book because idw likes to do the whole book and he's like i have them all but two pages i gave away those two pages and then i tweeted back to him are you still friends with those two people <laughs> and then uh i tweeted scott dunbier who is the ma- the editor at idw and i'm like do you know that this is happening and then he uh, weighed in, fortunately, and unfortunately, he was like, yeah, DC's not doing any more books with us. Oh, that sucks. That Which sucks. sucks overall, because I really want to see, like, a Neil Adams Batman book yeah. or a Green Lantern Green Oh, Arrow you know book. why? Because DC's doing their own. They do the unwrapped. Yeah, DC does an unwrapped. And I, if I'm not mistaken, DC is doing a higher, uh, the height of the book, like, is oh, close okay. to the art edition. full size the way IDW I think, does. But they're doing it on their own, because I remember flipping through previews. And those artist edition type books yeah. started showing up in DC, and I'm like, IDW is not printing these. This is, it's under the DC publish right. publications. Well, so DC, I think they're doing their own artist edition. DC tends to do that. I, I feel like whenever they're in a license, and then Marvel gets into that license, DC goes, "Man, eh, we'll do it ourselves." That's what it was like. The Marvel Mini Mates. Marvel Mini Mates have been running for 10, 15 years. Um, the good friends of mine that I used to work with at Diamond are still running that line. I've mm-hmm. gotten to do little work for them 
here and there have written some of the boxes, but they've been going for a long time. Then they did DC Minimates, and they were beautiful. They did about six, seven lines, and then DC was like, ah, we'll do them ourselves. And then they did this, like, other wonky version yeah, that, like DC that just disappeared. So yeah. they're basically doing the same thing with IDW. But it's a shame. But I got to talk to Jerry Ordway for like a day. That's cool. That Batman but, adaptation. And that, that Batman adaptation is beautiful. gorgeous. I'm and from Wonder, do they work off of... Uh, it stills from the movie to get the likenesses right um, because even the, the some of the sometimes the backgrounds some of them, are are right on the money. Yeah, I think they they get a handful of stills uh, because the movie's usually being shot while they're drawing, and it. they so get they, a copy of the so script. They, they get a copy of the script, which is a lot of times a lot of times out of date. Right, because so, there'll be sequences that aren't in, in, in the final cut. Yeah, I remember even when I was a kid, like books like. Um, like the crawl or the dark crystal adaptations. The, I don't, you, the crawl adaptation I with had the, the dude that throws the... Yes. The guy had the ninja star. That movie's terrible. It's horrible. Um, but I remember reading it. It had deleted scenes in it because it, they got cut from the editing room. But Jerry Ward did say he showed... Um, follow Jerry Ordway on Twitter, okay? That's going to be my greatest thing in the world. Yeah. Because he's posting all these things right now. You can go back and see them. Uh, I believe he's at Jerry Ordway. But he posted Jack Nicholson likenesses, and he said, we had to send this to Jack Nicholson for him to approve. They said everybody else had already signed off, but Jack wanted to see more shots of him. And it was oh. like all of these different angles of him. So they oh. got to weigh in. And I remember that with um, – that's a trap that likeness comics fall into. I remember yeah. in the 90s when uh, Dark Horse was doing tons of Star Trek books and uh, Topps was doing The X-Files. And I remember the likenesses were so dead on – that you only had like three angles of everybody, you know, hmm. like you only have like a straight on shot and like a three quarter shot. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm seeing the same drawing over and over and over again. And it's not nearly as dynamic. There's no expression. It's not like reading a Marvel or DC yeah. comic. And it's like, oh, because the actor probably had to sign off. Yeah. They, That's why they real probably had a library. didn't use the likenesses of Mary and Aykroyd and uh, the, the and Morgan, All the, the animated cartoon. series, yeah. Is that because they would have had to pay more? That carried over. I think so. And you know what? Bill Murray's so notoriously hard to find. Yeah. <laughs> but they were just like. <laughs> sure. well, that carried over into the IDW Ghostbuster books. We talked to the guy at the convention. You know, you have the Artist Alley and stuff. We walked around a couple years ago and we'd stop. And this guy does like awesome artwork. It's like incredible. He's just like whoever was doing Ghostbusters a couple years ago. I don't remember mm. the name. And we were talking. Was it an animated version? Or was it like no? A, it was like a live, like a real, okay. like uh, and it looked, realistic quality. I haven't seen this book. It looked like Bill Murray. No, no, and no. Ramis. So we were talking to like the inker, the artist there, and we were looking like, yeah, these look incredible. He's like, yeah, it's really unfortunate. They won't let him. He can draw a perfect likeness of Bill Murray. He said they won't. IDW won't let him draw Bill Murray as. The character in Ghostbusters, they said you have to, he has to kind of like, they all have to be off a certain percent. He's like, he's gotten the pages back and they've said you have to redraw the face because it looks too much like Bill Murray Bill Murray or whoever. It's not just Bill Murray, you know what I mean? It's like Dan Aykroyd well, or the other guys. Likenesses are weird. Remember in Logan where he, he he's making fun of an issue of X-Men and he flipped through some of the pages? <laughs> yeah. So Joe Casada drew those pages yeah. and he reposted those on Twitter. Um, and I asked him, um, hey, why did you redesign everybody's costume? Because remember, they all had like slightly different costumes in the book. It wasn't like classic. And he's like, yeah, we had to do that for the license. Yeah. So I think because it was a Marvel Fox thing, he couldn't draw a tiger stripe Wolverine. Yeah, there's like a lot of, I think, there's a lot more that goes, I think, into like likenesses and stuff like this when you have all these like cross company nonsense yeah. that it's like, we don't really, you don't, it's like something we don't see as the consumer. You know what I mean? It's all on the interior all the of, yeah, my like behind the curtain. My favorite likeness licensing story ever 
is um, in the early 2000s when Palisades did the Muppet show action figures. Yeah. And they're beautiful, by the way. Oh, they, I know this, yeah. They, uh, I am a moron because uh, my wife and I bought the entire line when we were engaged. And uh, we have a complete Muppet show. And I have given them to my boys. Some of them are broken. Yeah. Uh, accessories are lost. Playsets are falling apart. And they're worth a lot of money, aren't they? Each one of them is worth like $75. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. nobody yeah. ever, because they were beautiful. Nobody ever did it ever again. But one of the things they had was they had a Muppet show license. They did not have a Sesame Street license. Uh, the tragedy is at the end, they got the Sesame Street license. And they announced the first series. And then the company went out of business. And what? they were there were these be- they show they showed them at San Diego. They had a beautiful like Oscar the Grouch with a garbage can that you could pop them in, and they had a whole line ready to go. They did a Super Grover. Somebody has those, John. Yeah, the somebody prototypes. has. Oh them. yeah, somebody yeah. Has them. <laughs> they did a Super Grover at San Diego, and Alex Ross drew- painted yeah, a I Super Grover. Saw that. Yeah. And it's Grover with awesome. a phone booth, and it's the only thing they released. But at the time, they didn't have Sesame Street, so they did um, they did Kermit in the trench coat with the microphone which he would do on The Muppet Show and on Sesame Street. Um, I've never seen him on Sesame Street that way. I didn't know that. He used to do Muppet Show news and he would do reports of like fairy tales where he was like, he'd be be reporting about the old woman in the show. And he was like, apparently this woman has a lot of kids. And the woman comes out and she's like, ah! (laughs) You know, and like he did one on like Cinderella. And he's like interviewing like people that are trying to shove a shoe on her. It's all really great early Jim Henson, Frank Oz stuff. I love it. But he looked the same, but so they did a figure of that, and they were not allowed to include a hat because they said if we put the hat on him, that is the Sesame Street license. If we leave the hat off him, that's the Muppet Show license. Have you read the Jim Henson biography? Uh, yes. Because it goes into a little bit of how they had to negotiate the licensing rights a certain way. There's like a, it's a formula. Yeah. And it touches on that. Yeah. Maybe that's the only reason I know. I, I'm Kermit was a crossover character. Yeah. With that. It's a great book. Well, Kermit goes back before Sesame Street is one of the first Muppets yeah. that Henson developed and Rolf, it was his favorite. Rolf, the, the, I believe Rolf the dog would be considered like the alpha Muppet. He was like the very first yeah, one. Yeah, he's early. Wow. I think before him, it's just... Like Kermit was originally not a frog; he was just kind of that shape. Yeah, that's right. And you know, like the early kind of looks like a frog. And the early ones are in black and white, so they were all gray. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, but that's it's so interesting. We've gotten onto this licensing track talking about George Perez's JLA Avengers. Have you guys met yeah. George Perez ever? Yeah, actually, he was best I have. friends with my neighbor <laughs> for a while. Oh, really? But I never met him. Yeah, I, I, I met him once at a, at a, one convention, of the conventions in yeah. town. Signed a. A brochure. I didn't have a book, so I think I had a uh, one of those leaflets from the convention. Yeah, just a nice guy. He's, He's really, really nice. nice guy. It's I always. Uh, it's it's like uh, it's it's a little hard to believe sometimes. I went there last C tweet, so I went with my buddy Craig, who I work with, and he he reads like some comics. He's not like a big comic guy, but I'll recommend something or he'll he'll see something he likes. He's like like Spider Man, the X Men stuff. But he's a big X Men guy. He loved it when he was a kid, and he read Dark Phoenix Saga and all this stuff. We're walking around the convention, and I said, "That's um, uh, what's his name? The writer of X Men, Chris, Chris Claremont. Claremont." I said, "That's Chris Claremont," and there's nobody around him. And he's like, "That's, that's Chris sad, Claremont," and I'm like, "Yeah, that's Chris Claremont." He's like, "Dude, can we go?" I'm like, "Absolutely, we could go." Absolutely. And it was the same thing with George Perez. Yeah. Me and my buddy Ken, who's a big George Perez fan, we walked up to him, got to talk to him. 
Uh, I saw Peter David a couple years ago, just sitting there, and it's like Peter these, David. Peter David, it's like Titans of the industry, and it's just like you—they're totally accessible still because yeah. people don't either know we, a who they are or what they look like. We, we've talked to Peter David about coming on, but we haven't been able to get him on because I hope you get him. He's very, very good friends with my friend Mike Brum, who's been on the show, who's a writer for Colbert. Yeah, and like just one day, Mike messaged me, and he's like, "Hey, do you know Peter David?" And I'm like, "I know, well, of I, him. I know he's of like, him." He's like, <laughs> it was like around the time he had the stroke. Oh yeah, Peter David had a stroke. Oh yeah, a Peter couple David years had a ago. A couple years yeah, ago. yeah, he's crazy. doing much better. He wrote one of my favorite Star Trek novels. It was called Emzadi. Yes, he's written he, a lot. He he's crossed over lots Star of stuff. Like, speaking, well, yeah. that's how I first discovered him. Was in the Star oh, Trek. Oh really? Novels. Yeah, yeah. Before he, Marvel, he yeah. said in the, in interviews that he's one of those guys that has completely separate fan bases that don't know anything about something else right. he's done yeah because like, a lot of people don't know him for these novels he writes they're like oh he's the hulk writer that wrote the hulk for a hundred yeah, issues I, I first read him on spectacular spider-man when he did the death of gene DeWolf. yeah and then he oh was, yeah that's him oh my that god him yeah it's a he great story yes it it's was, just funny because yeah. in the clone conspiracy from two years ago that i'm finally reading she's one of the ones that are brought mm-hmm. back to life yeah captain stacy that was a good story gene DeWolf. and then he was on x factor for a long time and the hulk, he, he was on the hulk as long as claremont was yeah I, that's it, how i remember him is because i was reading uh x factor when it was not a team it was the investigation firm in mutant town after house of them uh multiple man puts together like a private detective oh, yeah agency. yeah yeah and i was reading like this is fucking phenomenal and he it was multiple man like every time does. every time he's in the he gets an X book. He brings multiple man. He yeah, because like he did a Madrox book. miniseries before X Factor, and I read that. I'm like, oh, this is really cool. What a cool character! And then it went right into the Detective Agency book, and mm. I read that for years. That book was good. And it was he put like one of the best X Men. He put multiple men in X Factor back in the '90s. Yeah, like when when the original X Men rejoined the X Men around Jim Lee, and they were like, well, we have this book. We don't know what to do with it. And they, he just like assembled anybody. I mean that that book is. D list at best. Yeah, it's like strong it's guy, strong guy, <laughs> havoc, Wolfsbane, <laughs> Polaris, Polaris, strong guy, and multiple man, multiple man. Yeah, Quicksilver. Nobody knew what to do with Quicksilver at the time because was yeah, he an Avenger? Was he an X Man? It's that's still kind of his problem. Yeah, but just you know, dovetail, just to get back to the Chris Claremont story real uh-huh. quick. Just seeing you know on on the shelf all these X Men collections you have, and he's written so many of them. That was my experience meeting Chris Claremont. You know, but this guy's yeah. like a titan, right? Right. Yeah. And I was with my wife at, a, at a Wizard World. It wasn't even C2E2. It was, I think it was Wizard World yeah. on Rosemont. And he was by himself at a desk, but he was collecting, trying to fundraise for a fund to help, you know, down and out people in the comics community. Oh, yeah, the Heroes and Initiative. I wigged out because I told my wife, this guy has read, has written every major book I loved as yeah. a kid. And I ran upstairs to try and find a book worthy of his autograph. Oh, right, right. And I found a, a copy of, a, an old copy of an issue of Where Jean Grey Dies on the Moon. Oh yes. yeah, one thirty-eight. And yeah, look at that. <laughs> and uh, I had him sign it, and I actually got to talk to him for a few minutes. Yeah, it's, it's like, awesome, it's just amazing. And I, inside, I'm dying. I want to hug his nuts. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I love your work. I love your work. But that's, you're part of me growing up. Yeah, had to be cool. it's crazy because this guy cool. is like, and say what you will. I know, of like, uh, there's all these other writers. Yeah. Dark Phoenix Saga may be the greatest superhero story ever written. It still gives me goosebumps. It I'm is talking about it now. Chilling yeah. to 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 read that yeah. that series. And uh, it's just like this guy is like this guy's this massive impact on the comics. Well, industry. it's funny how you say um, it's such a generational thing. It's interesting what you were saying about um, these titans of the industry, and then they're sitting at a booth and nobody's near them. Yeah, I was just reading an interview with Conan O'Brien because he's bringing the show 
back this week as we're recording this. The shortened and, version? Yeah, it's going to be a half an hour. It's going to have one guest, no band. It's like totally stripped down. And in this interview, I think it was in Vanity Fair, but he was saying how um, he was talking to Albert Brooks, who's one of my idols. Sure. And he said to him, you know, you're so lucky you make these movies. They last forever. He's like, what I do, I do it that night and it's just gone. Like, it's just forgotten. I don't have anything that lasts. And Albert Brooks goes, no, no, that's a secret. None of it lasts. Yeah. He's like, go go talk to a kid now. Do they know who Clark Gable is? Yeah. It's like, it all, it's yeah. all. Everything gets lost like the sands of time. I know. Yeah. It's Tears in rain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's nothing, you know. I'm Blade I'm, Runner. I'm reading, um, I'm reading Groucho Marx's autobiography now. And oh, it's cool. hilarious, but it's like, and then I, I've been watching the movies again and I love them, but they, they're historical artifacts now. Yeah. They're still funny. Right. But it's like. You know, nobody goes to Halloween dressed as Harpo Marx anymore. Right. You know, so if you're I lucky. I had a ventriloquist doll of Groucho Marx as a kid. Oh, that's awesome. I don't think people would even know what a ventriloquist doll is now. No. <laughs> if I ask yeah. my nephews and nieces, much less who the hell Groucho Marx is. Yeah. I think that's the thing is like there's a lot of, uh, and that's that's basically what it comes down to. The people going to the comic conventions now, they're fans of the movies or right. a TV show or something. They have no clue who Chris Claremont is, or well, they have no clue who Peter David is. And comics is. were designed to be disposable. They were right. supposed to be magazines. Like, people who keep magazines for 40 years are hoarders. Right, yeah. <laughs> if you see a guy sitting on a big stack of Rolling Stones, you're right. like, I'm not going in that house. I right, resent right. that. Yeah. But it's like, we have bags and bags and boxes and boxes of yeah. comics, and it's like, no, no, we're just fans. It's like, no, we're fucking uh, hoarders. We're, hoarders. <laughs> yeah. we're all We just focused hoarders. our efforts yeah, into organizing by... by by movie, yeah. villain group, uh, yep. and then, you know, and so on and so on. But we're just micro-focused. And then the industry sure. was genius of going like, we put it in this book now. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Here's a different format. I'll buy that book. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's going to be interesting. I think, I think Perez will be remembered. And Perez is one of those guys for me. I know he's one of your favorite guys. Ironically, uh, I hated him. Me too. <laughs> when I first broke into comics, I'm like, this guy's fucking terrible. Why does everyone go bananas for him? And then I got like an education and, you know, I was like, oh, okay, this guy's actually like awesome, stellar. Well, like per- I love his work. Perez now. is like Kirby in that way where he's- There's he's, a learning curve to he's it. He's so stylized. And I, I was thinking about this this morning. My favorite guys are the guys uh, that do expressions really well. Those are um, my oh, favorite yeah. artists are- uh, people like Mike Wingo or Art Adams. Art um, Adams for me, yeah. I, uh, the I, best is I, uh, I love Just League International. Yeah, Kevin McGuire. Kevin McGuire oh, does God. the best facial expressions in comic books, period. He is the Jack Kirby of facial expressions. Or like, like I love Steve Dillon who only knew how to draw one face. Right, but, but ex- he knew how to do every expression, expression. that the human body is capable yeah. of. <laughs> Those are the one top face. two. Everybody, Dylan and, yeah. everybody had an oval face with a long jaw. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> But I love those guys, and Perez was not one of those guys. He's not, and Perez was an amazing storyteller. Perez could it was the fill storytelling. a panel. Yeah, nobody and, could do a crossover uh, like him. Right, him and Ramita are the best storytellers in comics. Senior or junior? Uh, junior. Senior's great. Don't get me wrong, and uh, he's a master. But it's like John Ramita Jr. and uh, George Perez are like my two big like. If yeah. I'm looking for who can tell the best story visually. It's those two dudes. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, and I would look at Teen Titans, or um, I think the first things I saw of him when they introduced Tim Drake in Batman, uh, that it was a crossover between Teen Titans and Batman because 
Dick Grayson was only in Teen Titans at the time. Okay. So uh, it's called The Lonely Place of Dying, and it's one of those books that's going to be constantly in print. Um, but it crossed over, and I remember reading, like, I think Jim Aparo was doing the um, was doing the Batman stuff, and I always liked Jim Aparo. He was a cartoony guy. He had, like, an Archie sensibility to him. He passed away a long time ago, but he, you look at anything from the 70s and 80s in Batman, you're going to run into Jim Aparo. For sure. Did a ton of Nightfall, even, into the 90s. Yeah. But I remember reading the Teen Titans, and I'm like, what is this? He, it seemed to me like he just went overboard with detail. It was like Perez and Byrne had that thing where whenever a superhero was in a base, the oh, walls were lines. just full of some kind of line yeah. circuitry. And I'm like, why is there so much going on in this? I'm like, it, it kind of hurt for me to read it. But then you start to see what he does that nobody else could do. Yeah. And... uh Nobody could, like I said, nobody could fill a panel like him. He was, he's the master of crossovers because he could put 60, 75 characters in a panel and each one of them was distinct. Yeah. It wasn't a crowd scene. There's a lot of artists that would start drawing circles in the back, you know, and you could tell who every person was, which is why when they did JLA Avengers, he's twice. Yeah. He was the first guy to go to. He is to. the only guy to go to. And this if guy I, did Crisis. And if <laughs> I, I mean? yeah, if I did that for 40 years, I'd be done drawing too. Yeah. Well, I think that's the thing is like, he's retiring, you know, he's up there in age. So he's probably in the retirement sphere. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, you should retire. John Byrne retired. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. if you want to still work, you happily go for it. But that's why like every time Neil Adams draws another cover i'm just like please stop (laughs) you used to be so good now you're atrocious and i get it i it's like i would age and stuff it's just like uh i mean your hand gets shakier i would say his art's still pretty good i don't want to read what he writes oh he's insane (laughs) (laughs) he's crazy batman odyssey yeah that's batman batman odyssey i have a hardcover on my shelf, it's in from his you. omnibus, I think. Yeah, they reprinted the omnibuses. In the Batman omnibus has yep, his Odyssey because it's all of his, and it's um, it's crazy. Yeah, in like a charming way, though. <laughs> it's like it's like insane, and it's him putting like his conspiracy theories in old comic books. But there's a there's a Bat Caveman who lives inside the Earth, which is that's what he expanding. thinks. Expanding, he yeah. thinks. No, no, he has YouTube videos. Uh, Neil Adams has YouTube videos where he explains that the Earth is expanding in size, that because, it's like growing because outward. Because the core is hot, so it's so it's it's yeah stretching so he, out. He really oh, that thinks, makes total sense. Yeah, and it's like he's I not kidding. It. There are these are long videos of him going into like detailed explanations about like how the Earth is like. Would expanding. you put him on the same level as like a, a, flat, a flat earther and a guy, yeah, guys yeah, that oh, never, absolutely. That the new landings are fake. All chemtrails. that stuff. Yeah, he is insane. But he's a really nice, charming yeah. guy. <laughs> I have one of my one of the reasons I will not buy the Batman omnibus is is he signed one of the hardcovers. I yeah. did what you did at the New York Comic Con. I saw he was sitting at the continuity studios. Nobody was around. Mm-hmm. And uh, my friend Gus at Silver Age Comics in Queens, uh, which is still there. It's one of the great old classic stores, had his booth. And I was like, oh, I never got the new volume of Neil Adams. Sell it to me now and I'll go sign it. And he did. Awesome. Um, so I have that on, cool. on the shelf. But uh, yeah, these guys, I mean, they're so important to us. Uh, it's it's interesting. I was watching. Uh, I was in New York last week. Um, 
which I was warning we may not have a show because it was like a last minute thing. But I was with uh, Howie Weingarten, who's been on the show. And he, I was over at his house, and he and I were watching Mystery Science Theater, which was our favorite show in college. And it's the new seasons on Netflix are great, but watching the old ones is just like, okay, this is from another time. Yeah. This is when, <laughs> this is when cable television was very cheap. <laughs> That's how yeah. I learned about Manos, the hands of yeah, fate. Yeah, Manos, the hands of fate. Uh, the Side Hackers was our favorite. It was just terrible biker movie. But it remi- I'm watching showing it to the boys, and they think it's pretty funny. Oh, that's but, good. But it's they like, like it. Yeah, they, they like it. And it's it's a hard show to get through sometimes if the movie's really boring. Yeah. I'm still happy to see Tom Servo cosplay once in a while at Wizard every year. Yeah. There's the same guy. He's got a little... A little figure is he holding carries. it or is he he's, dressed he's like he's a holding machine? He's holding it, oh, but still he... the fact that there's somebody carrying that on. You yeah. Know? Well, the new show is fantastic too. Yeah. The, the I'm not a big show. fan of Jonah Ray, but I, I, I got to get past it. I was not a big fan of him on the Nerdist, but I think he's Neither. doing a really or, good job on Mystery well. Science. And uh, Baron Vaughn, who's doing the new Crow, I, uh, I, oh, he's the new Tom Servo. Uh, I used to do stand up with him, and he's amazing. So it's like cool. so heartwarming to see that this is happening. But, and it's also. Um, that other com- is Pat Oswalt on that as well. Yeah, Pat Oswalt is the new Frank. I love Pat and Pat Felicia Oswald. Day is the new Doctor. Felicia Day is another cool. It's person, it's yeah. really good, but it's something. But it is something that's like talking to Gen Xers. Yeah, um, that that it's like some there will be a day where people go, "Who's Jim Lee? Is, was <laughs> yeah. Jim Lee? Yeah. Was Jim Lee related to Stanley? <laughs> right? Yeah, that, for real. That yeah. Guy is? <laughs> so it's just. Good. I, I always say the only thing that really makes you last in comics forever is if you create a character that outlives. Yeah, you. I think that's like the gold standard. Yeah, because if you kill somebody, they'll just bring them back. Yeah. If you do a oh, really God, great yeah. story, it's going to get dated in 20, 30 years. Like I said, the Dark Phoenix saga, I love it, but you read it now compared to a modern comic. If you're a 10-year-old kid, it's going to seem wordy and it's going to seem yeah. slow. Yeah, well, I think that's and the... it's going to seem rambling. It's like... There's a there's why like am a, I in space? I I was in this S and M club. Yeah, right, right. Issue. <laughs> well, there's <laughs> like a there is like a bit of a learning curve I think on older comics, and I say that because I grew up reading like '90s comics. Do you know what I mean? So it's like yeah. when I would go back, I grew up and, reading '80s comics and Marco '80s yeah. comics, yeah, and Seven, was, late '70s with Archie and stuff, and then '80s hardcore Marvel, Rom, right, all Rom, that Rom space, space night, night yeah. yeah. But I think Dire reading rates. stuff in the 90s and then i like i tried to read Watchmen in high school and i was an idiot so i was like this is stupid and then i read it later and i'm like oh, okay you get it like later you might have been an idiot because i read Watchmen in high school and i was like oh this is well, next you're a lot level smarter comics. than i am i guess yeah, yeah. I think smart people would have got Watchmen, right yeah. and I, I could not i but it took a minute and it's the same thing i remember i read kingdom come and i was like this is phenomenal wow. and then i'd read uh like an older comic or try to read like an old crossover or something I'm like there's too much words or whatever. I couldn't get through it. And it's like, there is, seems to be like a threshold you have to cross mm-hmm. perhaps into adulthood. <laughs> yeah. To like be able to go back to appreciate yeah. these like older comics. I could not appreciate Grant Moore or not. Um, I'm sorry. Um, Swamp Thing, for example, Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. Yeah. Which everyone I hear talk about. Raves say, about. Yeah. Greatest, one of the greatest runs ever. Yeah. I hated it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And I think stupid. it's like, I was just like, I'm not smart enough to get it. And it's like, I just have to wait until, I like whatever this threshold is. A big one for me was um, Earth X. I tried reading because I read Kingdom Come and I'm like, okay, it's a very straightforward uh, Superman Justice League in the future story. And then I had heard about Kingdom Come. I'm like, okay, they're doing Earth X or Earth X is going to be Kingdom Come, but for Marvel. So I was like, yeah, no problem. And there's 12 issues or whatever. So I was like, awesome. There's more of it. I liked four issues of Kingdom Come. I love 12 issues of Earth X. <laughs> 
and uh, it was too dense. First of it all, it was way over my head it's the first time. It's a huge deep dive into the Marvel continuity, and then it wasn't Alex Ross doing interiors because there was much more. And I was like, "Fuck this guy's art," because just like George Perez, I was a fucking moron. Yeah. And then maybe five or ten years go by, I go to art college or whatever, and I come back and I reread Earth X, and now I've read all these Marvel comics in the meantime that fills in a lot of the knowledge gap I had the first time around. And then I'm like, John Paulian's artwork is incredible because I was like a moron before. And it's that idea that it's like, there's just some comics that are a little dense. There's like a, there is a point of entry for them. And it's like, you kind of have to do your homework yeah. for a book like earth X to be able to fucking get it. I reread <laughs> it because of you Yeah, you recommending it last year. I, I loved it. Yeah, loved it, loved it's it. so much better if you have than uh, the first time. Around, yeah, you need say. a deeper knowledge of the Marvel history to be able to appreciate Earth X. Yeah, mm -hmm. when I was a kid, they did this book, Marco. If you remember this, in the mid '80s, they did a book called Marvel Saga. Yes, and they yes! just Marvel Saga is awesome. It was weird because yeah. me they just raising my arms in in, in, in <laughs> yeah. awesomeness. They yes. cut up all of these panels of Silverage comics, and they were just like, and the Hulk fought the Circus of Crime, and while that was happening. <laughs> Thor fought the radioactive man. And it was just like, it was just random panels, but I was addicted to that Me too. because starting where I started, as you were saying, you when you come into the history, it's the thing that keeps a lot of new fans out. Yeah. Because you come yeah, into this history. continuity porn, continuity history. It's like, no, you're absolutely right. There is, there is this idea. It's, it's like, and it's, it's the, it's the difference between people like me who are going to get into comics and then really get into it versus somebody that's going to come in, maybe read a couple books and then get out of the hobby. And it's like, I'm very interested in the timeline of, yeah, when did right. Thor fight the radioactive man? So when I found Marvel Saga, because they reprinted all that stuff. Did I was they? Like, I didn't know. Did oh, they, yeah. What is Essentials? Uh, I don't know what format's in. I can't remember. I think what? it was just a regular trade. Oh, I didn't even know they did those. I this had, was years ago. I used to have the, these single issues. Yeah. Maybe it was a single chef. I can't remember. But the mm. idea that they put it all together so it was like it was a continuity. DC did the same thing. George Perez fucking drew it. History of the DC oh, Universe. Oh, yeah. The History of the DC Universe is fantastic. It was, yeah. It was two graphic novels. And it, and they went the extra mile, whereas said Marvel just cut up a Kirby panel here and Romita panel here. <laughs> Um, it was laid out like the Marvel uh, index. Indi the index of the Marvel universe was very typed up, very wordy. yes, it yeah. was yeah, it with, was like it typed was out next to the panel. Whereas what DC did, they just got George Perez to do these beautiful collages. They were like all these full and it started spread from the beginning collages of time. where they'd be like yeah, they'd be like that yeah, with like the guard. They started the, with like the new gods with or Oa whatever. and yeah yeah, and, and he did the whole universe alex ross did this fucking phenomenal wraparound cover for it with like oh when they reprinted it it was beautiful because yeah, back because back when they printed it originally it was alex ross hadn't broken in yet right yeah but it was he did these beautiful full page spreads and there'd be like superman in one corner and, and like the teen titans in another corner and the text which i think was len ween would just kind of tell this story that kind of wrapped those two together yeah it was beautiful that was uh the two most exciting things for me, that was a big book because I crossed over from Marvel to DC after Dark Knight. And I didn't know any of this stuff. Like I knew who all the characters were from watching Super Friends and, uh, <laughs> and and the cartoons like that. But I didn't know anything that had happened. And that gave me the grounding. The other thing I loved were um, the Handbook to the Marvel Universe. And yeah. DC Loved had that. and DC had Who's Who, which was the same. The Who's thing. Who DC version was very upscale. Like it was very... Uh, the, the, wasn't it just it, better paper? And they had it, the it table of really contents on the cover. Remember that? Yes. Like, like oh. you'd pick up the issue and you'd be like, Mr. Mixoplick is on page 23. Yeah. So you didn't even have to open the book. 
and they both had that they both had the collage of characters that were in that issue but it connected to the other one and yeah. when i was yeah. a kid i think it was like burn started it and then like carrie gamble finished it when i was the a marvel kid, heroes running to they the were right. all running yeah they were all all running to the right and i lined them up and i went from my living room to my kitchen yeah lining oh, up nice. all of the issues and it was one long issue and as i said the artist changed like right halfway through yeah because burn couldn't be bothered to do it once you got to like w yeah you, the, the store sold a, i had a couple of back issues a few times, which I picked up to try and replace the ones I'd lost throughout the years. But yeah, I, yeah. I used to read those cover those book, to cover. Yeah, those things are awesome. And I, remember, I, I used to love opening them up. I'm like, I don't know who this guy yeah, is. Right. And I'd read all about Atuma. Who is Batroc the Brave? You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and now to the, this day. It's like the secret origins. And that today, today, that's the most excited I get is when Marvel Legends like puts out some jerk. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, the new Captain. Yeah, the new Captain Marvel uh, movie line of Marvel Legends came out. And I was like, hmm. Nah, I'll wait till I see the movie before I buy them. But I'm buying the Grey Gargoyle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, only the Grey Gargoyle because I love all those weird old characters. And then you'd imagine like, oh, I don't know who this is, but what would it be like if they, if he fought the X-Men? Right. A Secret Origins was another one you just mentioned. Those yeah. were really fun. It was just, it's just, it's like, uh, it's comic book, like, uh, uh, archaeology. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you do kind of want to like dig in and it's like, there's only like a specific person that wants to kind of do that. And those are the fans that like keep the bulk of the industry moving, I right. think. You know what I mean? The guys that are going to do the deep dives into these archives or essentials or well, epic collections one of the reasons i have so many of the hardcover editions was that was the most exciting thing was seeing marvel masterworks come out for the first time and dc archives come out for the first time and be like oh wait there's a book that's every issue yeah and i couldn't afford them at the time and then they did the black and white essentials and i was uh i was working at bulletproof comics then and i would take them out of the diamond box and I'd be like, this is mine. And I knew it was black and white. It was cheap paper. It wasn't going to last. But I could read every issue of the Fantastic was, Four. Yeah. I, wouldn't ha- I wouldn't have these holes in my knowledge of that book. Right. And that, that's the kind of thing that drives me crazy. And that's the kind of thing I do now digitally. Like, I'll go on Comixology and I'll be like, oh, I never read the Marvel team-up run that Claremont and Byrne did together. <laughs> have you read every issue of Marvel team-up that Claremont and Byrne did? Right. Well, now I have. Now you can, yeah. <laughs> and I just feel a little smarter. Yeah. <laughs> and somehow more confident. Yeah. <laughs> right. well, it's the completest, right, in The Collector that yeah. drives you. Right? Yeah. You yeah, need and to it's, complete and it's not, these holes in a stretch of stuff that you're And it's not of. owning it because I never... I don't know about you, but I never fall down that pit of like, I I, I need an Amazing Spider-Man number one in 9.8 condition, and I want it CGC'd, yeah. and I want it, the Certificate of Authenticity. I have no interest in that. No, but I got more worked up when I had someone would tell me about the you know X-Men book where, like, for example, yeah, where, uh, where Jean Grey dies on the moon. Like, what? What is this? Yeah. You know, it's like, that's kind of what leads me down. It's, it's reading these stories when, yeah. when they're recounted yeah, it, to me. It's not it's like, owning the piece of paper. It's not necessarily owning them. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. It's like the piece of paper is not that important to me. But it'd be nice to have a collection like that, though. It, it is nice cool. to have this collection. Yeah. yeah. Well, I like having like the <laughs> nice library have, reprints. Well, like I said, it's nice even to have it digitally. Yeah. It's nice like uh, yeah. when Comixology. That is, that is cool. Comixology will do like every Marvel Masterwork is $5 now. And these are $75 books. $75 So it's like $5 to have it in the cloud? Yeah. Yeah. Well, just the idea that you could, when you're going on an airplane, you have your iPad, you can read anything. Bingo. Yeah. You know, it's just like the accessibility. Yeah. Like I said, I I just flew to New York last weekend, and that's how I packed. I went socks, underwear, T-shirts, 
and uh, <laughs> this X-Men Masterworks, <laughs> yeah. and these issues of Thor, and these issues of Spider-Man, and now I'm good. Yeah. Well, so jumping from history to modern times, uh, the first thing we were going to talk about, now we're 40 minutes in, <clears throat> uh, there were two trailers that came out this week. Uh, John Wick Chapter 3, which is called Parabellum, which looked good, but it looked like John Wick. Um, I'll see it, but I'm not. Are you guys excited. fans of John? The I still I have haven't those seen movies. it. I love you the first one. one. I know, and I everyone the says the one. same thing. It looks great. at me the same way. That the second one is it, it. It's what Matrix. It, it suffers from what the Matrix did. Just really quick, it try. It, it world builds so fast in the second yeah. one, based on a concept that was only supposed to be working for one movie, which is oh, the first one. Yeah, and now you know because it was a big hit. So yeah, yeah, the second one it wasn't bad, but it's like they spent too much money. You know, it was like, it was like now John Wick's going to Italy and he's going to London and it's like, yeah. it's like it could have been smaller. Yeah. The first one is it's in his neighborhood. Yeah. Um, it's but, very self-contained story. But the action is phenomenal. The, That's what the choreography says. of the action is it's, beyond. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So, yeah. The, and this one looks like that. And I think that's all we need to say about it. The other one is we got, we've been waiting for this for like two months. Yeah. We got the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer. Yes. Loved uh, it. Yeah, I was really kind of pleased that the tr- just even the trailer felt like that last movie. I was yeah. like, oh, this is like very familiar, like the characters. It's like the trailer, they had the music. It's like even the way it was kind of like cut together. Just it's it's like, oh, more of Homecoming? Yes, yeah. please. Yeah, yeah just like give me made, more of this. They They've made... hit a, on a formula there that yeah. really t- just just. just twangs on your comic fan DNA like this is kind of like the Spider-Man we yes. maybe wanted to see but it's also very appropriate cinematically like it it, it it's created its own world it's living in it it's not yeah. trying to invent it and it all works like yeah. everybody just hits it to yeah. your point of carrying that continuity they made a point to show you like all the kids from his class are in this hey yeah. dickhead like, they were like, they were <laughs> yeah. like, they were like here that. yeah they're like here's like make sure you know that here's MJ right. here's Looks like Betty Brant is now dating Ned Leeds, which I didn't get till I said it out loud yesterday. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, Ned why Leeds these... is in the movie? I forgot that Ned's in the movie. Well, Ned's his like and, buddy." Like, and Betty Brant has like one line in Homecoming. She's like on the morning announcement yes. when like Jason Ionello asks her out, and she's like, "I already have a date." Huh? She's in this, and I was like, "Why is Ned Leeds dating Betty Brant?" Because in the comics, Ned Leeds fucking married Betty Brant. <laughs> this movie's genius. Yeah, I think it's. Uh... It's anytime they introduce new characters, you know, you see like different people mm-hmm. in the room, and there's one guy in the room when all the students are watching Mysterio on the news, and he's like, This guy's like a combination of Thor and Iron Man yeah. or whatever. That's probably somebody. It's not just like a guy. Oh, I think that's the first. Uh, there was an announcement that there's a, the first trans actor in Spider Man is one of the kids, is a new kid in the class. It might be that one. But he won't, he won't is that be, right? um, yeah. oh, I didn't know. He won't that. be a made up character. But it'll be somebody from it'll some book somebody. Because right? I saw in that the, girl the, and I'm like, story. that's probably somebody. And then I saw an IMDb, she's Betty. And I'm like, oh, cool, Betty Brandt. Like, yeah. That's yeah, the blonde, fine. the blonde is Betty Brandt. Yeah. And I think that stuff is like, um, good on them. You know, there's enough. Uh, created characters in Spider-Man, change them up how they want to look. Yeah. You know, Flash Thompson's like an Indian guy or whatever. It's yeah. like perfect. MJ's named Michelle and she's Michelle. Latin. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, fine. <laughs> it's like, it, whatever you want. Give me do. more Zendaya. Yeah, says the pervy dad. Oh, she's a very attractive girl. <laughs> but um, the, I think the biggest thing is our first big look at uh, Mysterio. <laughs> it looks great again, I, I, and again following following he looks the, so awesome yeah following sorry. the pattern i hope that, you guys like them i don't know what he, he looks incredible <laughs> following the pattern they've done with villains before was 
In Homecoming, they made Batman the Vulture. Now they're making the fake Spider-Man because uh, Jake Gyllenhaal... He was, was almost Spider-Man. Was one of almost the Spider-Man twice. and Spider-Man 2. I always thought he would have made... Before the Spider-Man movies came out, I thought he'd make an awesome Spider-Man. And in Spider-Man 2, when Tobey Maguire hurt his back on Seabiscuit, he wasn't going to do it. And oh, is that right? And they hired Jake Gyllenhaal for like a week. And then I think Tobey Maguire realized how much money he was losing. And he was like, my back feels fine. And there's <laughs> that... I know that. Yeah, and there's an inside joke when he's losing his powers... Uh, in Spider-Man 2, and he falls and hits the car. He says, my back, my back. Uh, Sam Raimi put that in to make fun of him for trying to quit Spider-Man over his back. Ah, but but Jake, awesome. Jake Gyllenhaal was going to recast, be recast, and, the, and they're similar enough where I think it would have been like Lawrence Taylor becoming Don Cheadle. People would have been like, all right. Yeah. Um, so the fact that he was almost Spider-Man and missed it. Now they're making him Mysterio, who is the Spider-Man villain who deals in fake things. So a fake Spider-Man is the fake, the faker Spider-Man villain. Well, yeah. and it makes you think yeah, he's Jude. a he's a fake he's the uh, the fake hero because he's coming off like he's saving the day in the trailer. Yeah, right. And it looks like it looks like he's creating illusions, which and he's stopping. But there's definitely a reason that the two things he stops look like Sandman and Hydra. Well, right, and that's so that's building up to maybe Sinister Six. Yeah, possibly? but here's the thing: so there's elemental. There's a uh, earth guy, a water guy, and there's a fire guy in the movie. And then there's also, somebody pointed out, there's like references in the backgrounds to the issues where Hydra Man first shows up, mm-hmm. the issue where Sandman first shows up, and the issue where Molten Man first shows up. Ooh, Molten Man can be fire guy. Uh, yeah. I think they're red herrings. I don't think those Maybe. are, I don't think that's Hydra Man. You'll only see him in one scene in the movie, right? Or they're little, little, or they're little winks like uh, Nacho in Better Call Saul was just like a gangster in Homecoming, but he had a scorpion tattoo on his neck. You know, so like... Well, that is not the Matt Gargan. That is though. Matt Gargan. Yeah, but they're... But they're not going to go out of their way to put a tail on him. Oh, so, I disagree. Oh, no. They'll put no, a... It'll I be like, arm, like a military-grade armature disagree. with a thing that co- cro- creeps over and sure. then... You know, like... Yeah. It's so not going to be like organ- an organic tail. So you think or, they're going to build up to a whole Sinister Six? 100%. In the third But movie. in the Sony universe, you think? When they... With the Tom with, Holland movies. Or the collaboration with movies. MCU. With MCU. I don't think those Sony movies are ever happening. Uh, Venom, sure. No, they're Venom not. is... Sinister not, Six is not. Now, Sinister Six Venom is Venom and Spider-Verse are doing great. They'll keep making those. Yeah. There's talk of like Black Cat, Silver Sable. They're going to focus on the satellite characters. But Sinister Six, you got a bunch of villains. Who are they going to fight? Unless they fight amongst themselves like a Suicide Squad. But That was cares? the plan la- a couple of years ago with the Sinister Script movie. When yeah. Andrew Sinister Garfield was still Spider-Man? When who? Andrew Garfield was still Spider-Man? Possibly. I he do was remember supposed there was to, remember a, like they a, were teasing the Sinister Six for the third Amazing Spider-Man movie. That right. never happened. And I think they are doing the Sinister Six because we already have uh, Shocker, Vulture, mm-hmm. the Tinker can easily build a But Scorpion that movie suit. was going to be like Suicide Squad. It right. Wasn't, it wasn't going to deal with them against Spider-Man. It was going right. to them which against, is, on a mission. Which is stupid. stupid. Don't yeah. make that movie. Just yeah. make Suicide Squad. <laughs> yeah. There's so much I, I don't want to forget. Uh, Mysterio's costume. Oh, it's glimpsed, right? Yeah, it's not a unit. It's like it's not a one piece unitard. Yeah, Am it looks I saying like that he's right? got like a chest. It's got armor. a chest armor, yeah. but he's yeah. got the gauntlets. He's got the gauntlets. He's got the little eyeballs. It's eyeballs. There's and a grid, and he wears. A, a fucking, and he does wear the globe, yes. the, the dome. Yeah, you see he it does. from far away. Well, I'm sure it does. Every single Marvel hero now has a mask that just 
flips over from their neck. Yeah. yeah. You know, it used to be, I mean, even in Black Panther, they make fun of it. It's nanobites, like, bro. People are shooting at me. Let me put on a helmet. <laughs> yeah. And everybody just goes like, click, 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 click. So I'm sure the fishbowl does that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, because when you I want to see him carry it like an astronaut helmet, man. Yeah, it's not Oh, yeah. I think it's going to be one of those flip-up things. Yeah, because you already see him like, you already see him like creating spells or illusions or green flame or whatever out of his hands he's using both hands with no helmet yeah. what was he flying on could you tell it looks mm-hmm. like he's on it's Clouds. like smoke and it's, stuff okay but i think i wonder how they're gonna do it because i wonder if it's gonna be no he's got like magical alien powers from Ch- Ch- chitari tech or whatever because the tinker built it or he built it or whatever well that's like the universal go-to explanation now for any tech that Is, gives you it's, it's chitari tech right, right yeah, yeah. Or it's leftover crap from <laughs> yeah. whatever happened in thor dark world yeah you know? well, yeah it's right. elf crap well now right. that they've it's introduced elf crap. Yeah. yeah now that they've introduced the infinity gauntlet not everything can be an infinity stone right exactly so now it's like so well, this what is like their backdoor for all the yeah. messed up tech but it might it's just Kree. be like now everything will be Kree. yeah but it could just be he invented jet boots because iron man exists yep and then he's obscuring Repulsor it with technology green smoke or whatever it's like i'm really Stark interested tech. to see what they're gonna do and you know what with i it. with the marvel movies lately it's like i don't care about guessing it's like yeah, I, i'm all I, in. i'm like this looks great i want to not think about it yeah i just want to i want to go it. in yeah. fresh and this looks great and they show the uh they they are doing such a great job of having their cake and eating it too, because they show him in this black costume, which is sort of the black mm-hmm. costume and sort of a Spider Man noir. Does that come the from the books? Oh that well, black- so no, the- it looks like Nick. It looks like it's a Shield tactical uniform. Yeah, where Nick Fury right. has a big. Part I know it, it's probably going to remind a lot of people of Spider Man noir, but it's not really. It reminds you Spider Man noir, and it reminds you of his black. But costume. I thought he had a black tactical suit. I thought I heard that somewhere. That's not the case. Oh, um, not that I remember. Okay. I can't think it of does one. look like he's there was just a suit that makes him invisible in the books. Yeah, but that was like bl- black with a green, big green glowing spider. Okay. Yeah. The, the big time suit. But I think the they put him in a black and red costume and it, it looks like a Ditko. Like it looks like, because Ditko yes. used to just kind of Well, they him. changed the blue. They changed the blue to black. That suit yeah. that you have up there is now black, right? The homecoming. It's now black and it also doesn't have the, uh, the webs connecting the glove to the shoulder. Right. Which is also how they did the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. Yes. Where it's just broken. It kind of comes to a point the way John Byrne would draw the X-Men, mm-hmm. like the brown Wolverine costume. Uh-huh. And Marvel's brilliant they've done they've shown it so many times with iron man and captain america where they change it for every single movie so you know where you are and if you're into the merchandise you'll buy another version of that yeah but it always uh, looks like them they never take this big leap out where you just go oh he doesn't look like captain america anymore right he between the world war ii suit the rubbery avengers one that covered his ears and the winter soldier suit they all look like cap and I think what they do that's so good is they don't mess with the face very much. Because in a movie, you're mostly looking at the face. Right. Like Iron Man, they've added some lines to the mask, to the helmet, but it's always kind of been that helmet. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing in with this new suit is his face is exactly the same. It's still the same a shade of red. It still has the animating eyes. Yeah. They're not... They don't mess with what works. They figure out a way to play around with the rest. Like, yeah. who's really going to care if he has black and not blue? But it, again, it goes back to the way Ditko used to do it. Eric Larson used to draw him like that a lot too. Yeah, he used to put, he used to do heavy shading in the like blue with blue highlights. Yeah, and you know? and both Spider Man and Batman were originally supposed to be black and with just blue highlights. 
so you could see the shape in the comics. And then as the years went by, that blue got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger to where people were like, oh, Batman is blue and gray. Yeah. You know, Adam West has no black on him. In fact, that the sh- the black then becomes a highlight shadow. Right. Where Adam West had like the, the eyebrows painted in. And Spider-Man became bright red and bright blue, like in the Romita era. You know, and then and then in the cartoons. So they're just kind of going they're going back to a traditional suit. Yeah. While well, I like doing that something they, different. They play around with it. It's like we already did the like the main Spider Man suit. The Stark yep. suit is like the classic Spider-Man. It's like he's had enough costumes. Yeah, make it a little different. It's like and it it's cool if it's like, oh, he goes to Europe and he doesn't he didn't bring his suit, and then Nick Fury's like, All right, here's a shield tactical suit and yeah. then Here's a red Although and he does black. bring a suit oh, because you see that in the trailer. Aunt May packs it. Yeah, because there's there is a that's yeah there's a second there's trailer. Two, they released two trailers this week. What they oh Marco yeah. you didn't see the other one. There was an American trailer and an international trailer. They both hit YouTube at the same time. The international trailer, the first minute is completely different. Yeah. Oh my god, um, it's cool. He it's goes... no, no no more action, but they show him going through customs in London rather than like Aunt May congratulating him. Yeah. They don't have any of the scene of like Aunt May going like, it's Spider-Man Day and Aunt May and Happy, Happy. flirting with each other. Yeah. None of that is in the international trailer. Yeah. It's all like him going through customs. So this was most of the what they showed in Brazil at that convention. Remember a couple weeks yeah. ago we were talking about this? But I guess it's not the full thing. They showed like a five-minute thing. Yeah. This was most of that that we saw. That so was like cut down. Yeah. So it was probably both trailers put together and then another minute or two of footage. Sure, yeah. Because you figure... Um, the second minute, it's like a two-minute trailer. The second minute's the same in both of them, except uh, I think in the international, in the domestic trailer, Flash calls him a dickwad, and then in the international <laughs> trailer, he calls him a loser. And oh. I'm like, I'm like, does Europe not know what dickwads are? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but the lead up to that was like Flash just loving Spider-Man, and then yeah. he goes to Peter, and he's and like, a, "What's up?" Dickwad? It's such a big part of the book that I love <laughs> yeah. seeing that. Well, because that's the thing that with the. Awesome. Uh, the changing of the times type things like Flash Thompson was like a stereotypical jock, but he's a big Spider-Man fan. So it's like they lost the stereotypical jock aspect. Well, because he's in a school that's it's a well, sciencey nerdy school. Queens, right. Queens is also very multicultural. If right. you're going to have yep. Spider-Man today, right. this is probably what you're going to see. And I think but, a but rich Indian kid. He's also okay, going yeah, to a school it. that probably doesn't have a great football team. Right. They, but right. Like, but like, yes. they have a big field. And as our friend Jimmy <laughs> McGuire, who's vice principal of Frankie Lane, the real school where they shoot. Uh, remember, he, he told us we had to cancel soccer. That's what he told us about shooting Spider-Man from, yeah. from home. A smart, a smart guy would get, yeah. oh, and, this makes sense. But it's They're like they keep, fo- they keep these things that like, work about him. And it's like yeah. he loves Spider-Man and he picks on Peter. And it's like that's the cornerstone of Flash yeah. Thompson. Mm-hmm. And it's like it would, actually would be kind of interesting if ideally maybe uh, they can keep this kid to play Spider-Man for forever, <laughs> you know, and like let him grow up and then do this guy is Flash Thompson Venom with the whole, you, imagine I that, do that, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, it would be He bananas. becomes a space knight, mom. <laughs> yeah. It's so crazy. Of course, now we get into the problem of like, then Sony has to stop having Tom Hardy Venom movies, which they're not going to do for a long time. Well, here's time. the thing about the Tom Hardy Venom. I was wrong. They'll get, you know, they're going to make another one. The yeah. next one's going to bomb. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, see. we'll see. Right now, Aquaman has made more money than Dark Knight, so that tells me that it's that tells me that superhero movies just make more money than they did ten years ago. Yeah. Because- well, everyone, it's like every idiot who's like, "Well, it's got to, you know, this is the, it's going to bottom out eventually." It's like you no, just no. said it's going to bottom out. No, you just no, said no. The next Venom movie's going to bottom. Venom. Not- You're that idiot. No, 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 no. You're not listening. <laughs> not that movie specifically. Everyone's talking about how the superhero movie fad. It's a fad. It's going to end. It's a fad. And it's like every year they break another record. Black Panther breaks record. Endgame breaks. 
a record. Do you know what I mean? It's like Aquaman made three hundred million or whatever across the billion. Aquaman. <laughs> it's like Aquaman it's not, for Christ's sake. It's sakes. not slowing right. down. No, That's I think all it I'm proves saying. a couple of things. If you have good storytelling, yeah, visually, I heard the narrative in Aquaman is kind of. It's a little it's all over the place. Of, it's dumb. kind of all over the place. Yeah. It's, 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 I've heard that range okay to just dumb the dialogue. But I guess you have a good combination of star quality, charisma, visual visuals, effects. visual yeah. effects. It's fun. And it's just fun to good watch. enough to yeah. be a really fun experience. Yeah. I saw, I haven't seen Aquaman yet, but I, I would say as long as you continue to hit that, I guess we're not, this is not going to stop. I don't stop, see how man. this is. I think the down. Star Wars movies will probably are in more danger of stopping than the superhero movies. Definitely. Are. Especially after what Han Solo did. It's yeah. like, it just didn't, or didn't do. do or didn't, yeah, didn't do. do. Yeah. But, uh, I was going to say, um, didn't see Venom or I didn't see Aquaman. I did see Venom. I hate to admit it. I kind of liked it, but I could see the problems with it. Why did I like it though? Is I'm not Tom you, Marco. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't there's something, like it. What, the, what, but, but what is the so, algorithm in my brain that said, Marco, different. this is not a terrible movie. I, I kind of liked it. Yeah. Well, it's a, both I, Venom and Aquaman are kind of in that range of like, they're both dumb. If you if you think about it for a minute, you're like, this doesn't make any sense. But like while you're watching it, it's the action is done well enough yeah. that it, it pulls you into it and it gets you excited. And Tom Hardy talking with the symbiote, like, it's at times I laughed my ass off. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> when Tom Hardy lands to that in that apartment and says, I have a bug. <laughs> yeah. Do you, I don't, you don't remember that. I mean, it's just the way he delivered that line. And you don't see Venom for the freaking first 55 minutes. And for some reason, it just. And people were fun, cool. cool with it. And it's yeah. a huge. It's, I always remember. I think it's still out there making money. <laughs> I think so. Uh, a guy I used to work with forever ago uh, at the old comic shop. He uh, loved every movie that came out and he loved fantastic four he loved everything and i remember always arguing I'm like oh, dude this movie sucked and he always would say the same thing. this guy's like in his 50s or something he's like yeah i know but i never thought they'd make it he's like it doesn't matter that it sucked he's like i'm just yeah. glad to You're see just, the fantastic yeah. four so there is this element to yeah. uh not knowing as a kid you never thought you'd ever see the movie and i think people make ben and sebastian aren't going to grow up with that idea that oh they'll never make this movie or whatever i remember being a kid and be like we'll never have an avengers movie yeah. and now they're the biggest movies every we're year waiting for the out. fourth to come out right you guys, were, yeah but you, you guys, know but uh, we're at the point now where i I feel over that of I never thought they made it. Right, they made, they everybody. made everything. Because like Venom in particular, Venom was in Spider Man three. That was twelve years ago. Right. It's like right. I I I wasn't the like threshold. I wasn't like oh my god Venom's in a movie because Venom was in a movie when I had a lot less gray hair. Right. It's like <laughs> you know there and there as was a lot as, less superhero movies. As long as they're good, Marco, I, I think I agree with you. As long as they're good, they won't die out, and we can handle a bad one every now and then. As long as they're legitimately good right now i'm watching uh punisher season two on netflix and part of me wasn't that excited about it because what's happened with marvel and netflix yeah. of like they're canceling everything disney plus is gonna start up do these things even matter is I'm it like exact- is it like it's like ordering a drink after last call what's the point of this but i'm three hmm. episodes in and man it's good i don't know but like see, why wouldn't i watch something that's good i finally got around to starting daredevil season two right three was or last three one. i don't know where you are though. no no the newest one and i watched the first episode and i'm like no, not gonna finish it. Dude, it was good. Though. I forgot there's a season three of Daredevil. There's three seasons, it, and I heard the third season. Third awesome, season is the best, and I I don't care. I'm like, this I isn't gonna either. go anywhere. That, it got canceled. I'm done. Well, then that's the question. The question is, as comic fans, it's a tough question to answer. And actually, we're at an hour, so we should probably end here. Uh, 
are we watching these to see what happens next in the next thing or are we watching them because it's good? You know, because if something's, if, if you find out a movie is only that one movie, is there a part of you that's like, well, then I'm not going to watch it if it's not going to become 20 no, movies? No, not at all. I think like, uh, like there's some movies where I want to watch even if it's just one off, like Pacific Rim. When I saw the trailer for it, I made a second like, one. No, I know. And here's the thing. I watched the first one. I was like, check. I don't need any more Pacific Rim movies. I thought I did when that first one came out. I said, make as many as you like. They made a second one. I was like, nah, I don't care. <laughs> you know, they made the Godzilla movie. I'm like, this is awesome. Then they made King Kong movie. I'm like, this is awesome. Then they're going to fight. I'm like, yes, let yes. them fight. <laughs> but it's like, uh, I don't know that I want to see like, a, there's certain movies I just don't need to see another one. Daredevil's not going anywhere anymore. So I'm like, ah, I had Daredevil. It was good. They're not going to make anymore. That door's closed right now. See, I will say this. Uh, season three is a real is a pretty good ending. So I need, when I'm watching a show for a while, I want, I want to see the ending. And it's harder and harder to do. I was so happy when the X-Files came back because they never gave me an ending. Yeah. And then they came back for a season and they left me on a cliffhanger and I was so mad. This is why you want one more Indiana Jones movie. Yes. In fact, I just had this argument with my boss where he's like, where he's like, I'd rather have it rebooted. And I'm like, I don't want it rebooted. I want it to end. Yeah. And I don't want it to go away. I want it to end. Uh, So I felt good about Daredevil and I'm hoping Punisher season two like I said, I have eight episodes to go. I'm hoping that it feels like it ends because there's no way Netflix is going to give it a season three. They're, yeah, they they're can't. out of the Marvel business. And now. that's the yeah. thing. It's like uh, it got canceled. I'm never going to watch season two of Punisher. I'm like, well, okay, well, I had one. It was good. but See, that's what kills me about comics because comics never end. Right. So every comic book I've ever quit in my life, there is a voice in my head that goes, but what's happening right now? <laughs> me too. Yeah. Well, here's the thing I was like, and it's the same thing about comics that applies to the shows. When they changed the creative team of a comic that I really like, like Daredevil is a great example. Once Mark Wade left Daredevil, I tried it and it didn't work. I'm like, okay, I'm good not reading Daredevil anymore. It's the same thing for the show. The creative team, quote unquote, changed. It's not Netflix. It's going back to Marvel. I'm done. You know, yeah. it's like it's enough for me to walk away because that creative team is over. I'll wait for the reboot. Yeah, but that, but that's that being said, that's like you wouldn't want to read Mark Wade's last issue of Daredevil. If you're like, ah, he finishes an issue 35 and I'm on 28, I'm not going to read it. Yeah, I think it's because it's like uh, the seasons seem more like... Self-contained? Self-contained. I'm like, I tried the first issue. I I watched the first episode. I didn't like it. I'm not going to finish this series. Oh, you didn't like the first episode? It's like, that wasn't bad. I was just like, I just, I don't care enough about it when there's a million other things I have to watch and do. There's too much competition and I think that's the big problem. Years and years ago, we would have never had this conversation. Oh, I'm not going to watch Daredevil. Right. I would have watched a garbage Daredevil show right. years ago. I was watching Smallville for seasons, oh, and God. it was terrible. <laughs> but it was the only thing on. Now it's like there's too much competition. 100% agree. I cannot watch. It's the same thing with the comics. I cannot read everything. I'm going to read the stuff that I think is the really, really best stuff there's too much yeah i will say this i've been on episode three of preacher season three for like four months and i like it i liked preacher and i watched the first season i watched a couple episodes the second season i didn't i didn't like the first season then i liked the second season yeah season three uh part of the problem for season three with me it it's adapting the toughest part to read of the book Um, and i'm like this is the part of the book 
that it's very good, but it's very disturbing. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to live through this again. Right. But <laughs> I have a now I have a bunch of shows. It took me forever to finish Cloak and Dagger. It took me like six months to and finish. Oh my Cloak god! Supposed I, to be really I, I good. The first couple episodes were good, and I completely forgot to keep up with it. Yeah, and it was good. You too just forget too much about stuff, it. man. I, it's the same thing with comics. I'll forget a comic exists because it's like uh, uh, the guy who did Hawkeye, not Fraction, the artist David Aha. Uh-huh. He did a small uh-huh. book. Uh, it's like an indie book, and I can't remember what's called, like Fly or something like this. And it was phenomenal. Three issues or something. I completely forgot about it. I don't know yeah. where it is. I don't know what how many issues have come out since then. It's like there's just too much look, stuff. Look at this. It's a little meta, meta, meta commentary. We went from being in the '80s to dreaming about who would, who would cast who you'd cast to play Wolverine. Yeah. To now being so gluttonous with, I mean, yeah. so filled with content, like you can't even can't keep, keep up, up with, with it, it all. You know, it's awesome. It's life. Well, if you want to tell us what you've quit, or if you can remember what you've quit, <laughs> yeah. or uh, tell us why you stick with what you stick with, there are ways to get in touch with us. You can follow me both on Instagram and on Twitter. I am at not in my book. Uh, you can follow the show on Facebook, facebook.com slash caffeinatedcomics, and leave us a comment. We always look because we need attention. <laughs> uh, Marco, can we find you online? I'm somewhere, but I honestly don't remember my handles, so... <laughs> Fair enough. Glad to be here. And how can, uh, how do we follow you, Stephen? Because you always forget you because can... you're working so hard to remember how you can subscribe yes, to the I show. Am. You could specifically you find me now. on Instagram at the Brave Butter Pecan, and uh, you can follow the store uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, or the podcast. The you, don't, you don't have a store. No, no. I did. I say the store. You I meant said the show. Follow the store. Oh, the I show. meant the show. You meant the show. The show. You could find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or. Um, uh, something else with an S. Oh, come on. It's the biggest thing. Stitcher? I thought we were past iTunes, this. You thought... I had it like 30 seconds ago. You had it like three weeks ago. I know. We're on Spotify. Spotify's the big one. Spotify's and the, on the radio, everybody uses. Misfits Network. I don't, so I don't know. <laughs> we're also on the Radio Misfits Network. Do you want to... Yes. On the, under the Lifestyle tabs, we're a very proud member of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm keeping all of this just so... Please you, do. Just so you work harder Shame next me. week. Yeah. <laughs>